With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series where I take a deep dive into the Miller and Chevalier Chartered 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey. In this podcast series, I visit with lawyers from Miller's FCPA and International Anti-Corruption Practice Group. They focus on matters involving the FCPA, money laundering, business and human rights, and other areas of international corporate compliance. They have experience with every facet of FCPA enforcement, from inception to completion, including developing work plans for international investigations, conducting internal investigations, developing remediation strategies, disclosing issues to the U.S. government, and negotiating resolutions with the government, as well as developing strategies for collateral issues, selecting independent monitors, and interfacing with independent monitors. If you ever find yourself in the need for an FCPA or international anti-corruption lawyer, check out any of these lawyers from Miller and Chevalier. Over this series, I will visit with James Tillon, Matt Ellis, Alejandra Almonte, and Greg Bates. In this episode, I visit with firm member Matt Ellis, and we take a deep dive into some of the findings on the survey's country-specific corruption issues. I know you will find it fascinating. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode in our review of the Miller and Chevalier 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey. Today, we have partner, excuse me, member Matt Ellis. Matt, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having us back, Tom. Matt, I wanted to maybe visit with you on some country-specific corruption issues. Um, we took uh, we looked at some countries in a more general area, but uh, what are you seeing as some of the countries that are perceived as the most corrupt? Well, you know, that often is one of the first questions we get. You know, what are people saying um, in the survey, what countries are seen as most corrupt. And what we see is a, pr- a, a high degree of consistency over the years. So, you know, you look at 2016, you look at today, and the same group of large economies are still perceived as the most corrupt. Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, and Venezuela you know, those are the four, when you talk about countries with GDPs of a hundred billion and higher, those are the four that respondents are more than half of respondents who have experience working in each of those countries describe those countries as quote unquote, significantly corrupt. Um, You also add this year to the list, Ecuador, and we think that's a reflection of just, you know, now you, you're beginning to see those large blockbuster investigations like Odebrecht, like Petro Ecuador, um, you know, shining a light on Ecuador. So it has joined the list. Um, but that is, you know, and, and again, those four, Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina, and Mexico are consistent with 2016. 
So I wanted to ask you what some of the country findings you found most surprising, but I decided to amend it to be perhaps most surprising and even most disappointing. Most disappointing. You know, what jumps out to me is Chile. You know, you think of the cleanest uh, countries, if you look at Transparency International, if you look at the World Bank's uh, indicators, Chile is always one of those countries, you know, on par with the United States as low risk. And uh, in in the past, our Latin America Corruption Survey has uh, similarly um, found Chile to be low risk, but we're starting to see cracks in that perception. It's something that is very consistent with our own experiences. Our firm has been doing a significant amount of work for various clients in Chile over the last, you know, four to five years. Um, and what the respondents are telling us, what the data is telling us, is that you know you can't just exp- uh, and you can't just assume that Chile will be low risk because it's an you know market friendly economy it has you know reliable regulatory framework etc there is real risk there and for an example in this year's survey almost half of respondents 49% of respondents who have work experience in Chile again describe the country as uh, having uh, you know corruption be a significant obstacle. Um, And what was even more interesting about Chile is, you know, it's not a perception that's limited to like one or two uh, government areas within Chile. There were numerous government bodies that are perceived, whose corruption is perceived as going up, the legislative branch, customs, the judiciary, um, the police, um, so I think the, the takeaway is if you're a global company doing business in Chile, um, you can't ignore risk. I mean, you need to consider the, and we can also talk about, you know, in our experiences, what the, what the form of corruption and how it's different and how it might fool people. I know that's a different line of questioning, but that's what we're seeing with Chile. So, um, let me focus a little bit on Brazil because I had a very interesting conversation with, uh, your fellow member, James Tillon, on on Brazil. And we talked about, obviously, Brazil has led the way, Clean Companies Act, aggressive enforcement, uh, numbers, uh, or at least perception of corruption. Uh, I take away from that that one of the reasons there's increased numbers of perception is greater awareness, whether that awareness is from enforcement actions, whether that awareness is from corporations mandating their counterparties have compliance programs and and really take a look, or even to people like yourself who are advising both uh, U.S. domestic and international companies on doing business in Brazil. What does the data say to you about Brazil? Data supports that view. You know, growing awareness, whether that's in the form of awareness of local prosecutions, awareness of compliance expectations, um, has fed this growing, what we're calling you know, Brazil has consolidated its position as an enforcement leader. Almost 80% of survey respondents think that Brazil will continue to lead the way in enforcement. Um, 75% say that the Brazilian government took action when they reported knowledge of bribery. You compare that 75% to 33% region-wide. So, you know, I agree. It's awareness that's driving. Now, you add to that 
the fact that this data was captured earlier this year before the justice minister, Sergio Moro, resigned in protest to the Bolsonaro administration and a perceived unwillingness to continue the anti the corruption reform agenda. Um, you've also seen, I'm sure you're seeing the reports coming out of Brazil that, you know, there are questions regarding the, um, the uh, continuation of the prosecutorial teams that led Lava Jato. So there's some potential breaks which could frustrate you know, that continued position as an enforcement leader. But the data certainly reflects confidence in the Brazilian government. And, uh, and we do think that confidence is, is, is uh, fed by this growing awareness. And as you know, I've practiced in Houston for over 35 years. And a large part of that practice has focused on PMEX in Mexico. Uh, there seems to be a continued fluctuation in the relationships. But I was wondering, what does the data tell you about the perceptions of Mexico for this survey? Well, and it's interesting to discuss Mexico, you know, right after Brazil, because whereas in Brazil, you know, you have this deep confidence in the prosecutorial systems and the investigators, you see the direct opposite in Mexico. Mexico is seen as the country uh, with uh, prosecu- prosecution service or investigators that are the most corrupt. Over 75% of respondents call uh, the prosecutorial function um, significantly corrupt in Mexico. And I think this does color um, how people are viewing the, the, the PIMEX investigations, right? I mean, you have a cooperating witness, a former CEO who's pointing fingers, naming names, presumably sharing evidence. You know, the U.S. authorities have opened an investigation into PIMEX as well. But many on the ground and many outside observers are uh, as well are you know, questioning the um, the reliable nature of these local investigations. Are they, you know, unbiased approaches to application of the law or are they politicized in, in nature? And what the data reflects is a view of the local government that really leads to questioning of, um, you know, the integrity of those investigations. Now, were there any findings which, if not surprised you, perhaps bucked the trend of the increased perception of corruption? Certainly. So you might have spoken with James in the last um, episode about how overall, you know, there is a rise uh, in, in perceived corruption risk in the region. One country that does seem to be bucking that trend is Peru. And Peru you know, what the data is telling us is uh, there is great improvement. You know, nearly 75% uh, of people who have work experience in Peru are aware of corruption prosecutions, which is a jump from 44% in 2016. 85% in Peru believe that offenders are likely to be prosecuted again. That 85% is a jump from 56% in 2016. And you feel it on the ground. I was invited by the Peruvian government um, late last year uh, to join in a significant conference held by the controller of the nation focusing on corruption risk and what the country needs to do to get its hands around it. You know, you meet very sophisticated, very qualified 
lawyers, political leaders, investigators who are committed, you know, to rooting out this problem. And you add to that the fact that four former presidents of the country are currently under investigation for corruption-related offenses. You know, it doesn't surprise me that um, survey respondents are tagging Peru as this hopeful spot in the region for, you know, the ability to respond to corruption risk. And I'd like to end with a few of your thoughts around the notebook scandal in Argentina and not really the perception of it here in the U.S., but what do the Argentinians on the ground think of of that issue? Yeah, and, you know, notebooks was so interesting because it did come with so much hope um, uh, that this was an, a, an example of the Argentine government uh, demonstrating its ability to investigate and to enforce its new uh, anti-corruption legal regime. But that has fallen flat. And the data is telling that us telling us that as well. You know, Argentines are skeptical by nature, right? I lived several years in Argentina, so I can tell you that uh, firsthand. Um, but at the same time, you know, what they're telling us in the data is fewer people in Argentina think that you know the prosecution function will work in the event of an offender being detected. You know, 39% have confidence in local prosecutions. That's uh, compared to 53% from before notebooks. So it seems like notebooks might have had the opposite effect, right, of exposing the inability of the Argentine government to grapple with corruption. You know, when you compare Argentina to, to Brazil, when we talked about how 80 or 85% of Brazilians um, think that Brazil will continue to lead the way in enforcement. In Argentina, 2% of Argentine respondents think that the Argentine government will lead the way. So, I mean, one thing offsetting those figures, or perhaps as a result of those figures, is that we are seeing a rise in uh, compliance um, uh, efforts of local Argentine companies. I know my colleagues will talk about that in future episodes, um, but we do think that that increase in compliance might be linked to this increased perception of, you know, a local government unable to tackle corruption. Well, Matt, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I've been visiting with Matt Ellis, member at uh, Miller & Chevalier. And Matt, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. Thanks as always. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and our special five-part podcast series on Miller & Chevalier's 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey. We're going to link to the survey in the show notes, so download a copy and check it out. I hope you'll join us tomorrow where I'm joined by firm member Alejandro Almonte as we explore some of the survey's high-level findings on compliance trends in the Latin American region. I look forward to visiting with you tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.